Ready to worship, I want to share something with you. Some of you know this about me, but I am a person who, even though I believe in Jesus Christ with, as, with all of my heart as much as I can, I am also consumed with doubt, even to this day. And I want to let you guys know that I'm learning that that is okay. So the song we're about to sing talks about praising God and how it can help us. And so if you have doubt like I do, I want you to really take these words in as we sing and as we worship our Savior together. Let's stand and join.
Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. If you're here in the building, you can go ahead and be seated. If you're joining us online, we're excited to have you with us this morning as we worship God together. Um, I don't know if anybody uh, has tracked this like I have tracked this, but I'm fairly certain we are at hour 56 of not having rain. So I think that's pretty much a record so far for July. Uh, it has been a wet month. Uh, I have had a lake in my backyard. I've had a pond in my backyard. Uh, we have uh, little tadpoles living there, and so it's been quite a scientific adventure, um, but hopefully we'll be able to continue this uh, dry weather. I want to let you know about a couple things happening uh, here at the church. We've still got our uh, regular process for giving. Uh, if you're joining us online or if it's easier for you like it is for me because uh, it's been a few months since you have written a check. Uh, there's online giving options. Uh, you can text to give. Uh, if you're here in the building, we do still have the baskets uh, as you exit and enter uh, if you want to drop um, any finances in there. Um, and just a reminder here uh, at Murray Hill, we know that giving is a part uh, of our worship experience. And so um, we encourage you to do that as God is leading you to do. I want to let you know um, our small groups, uh, we are going to begin the process of summing some of those coming back face-to-face, -face. so get with your small group leader. We're still going to have some online options um, for uh, many of our group participants aren't even here in Murray Hill or in Jacksonville, so we have uh, people that can only participate with us online. Online memberships uh, are still an option if you're someone who's joining us exclusively online and you're either not ready to come back to the building or you're not close enough to come back to the building I uh, would still love to have you join with us, and we can answer questions on what that looks like for an online membership. Uh, we have a special call business meeting coming up on July 28th, which is Wednesday night, uh, for the purpose of uh, voting on our next church treasurer uh, moving forward into 21 and 22. So I think I covered uh, all of our announcements. Um, I, I was singing that second song um, about your great name. Um, and I, I began to, you know, think about those words and, and think about um, how it applies to my life and, and the reflection aspect of, of what I think worship is, or at least what worship is for me. And, and it talks about, you know, the, the sick are healed and the dead are raised. And, you know, we, we have at least so far uh, survived and are surviving uh, this global pandemic. Um, but, but I think back to stories in the Bible, and, and I think back, um, you know, to the woman who, who just needed to get close enough to Jesus to, to touch his garment. And, and I think about uh, the, the friends who, who went to see Jesus, and the house was so full their, their love for their friend, their faith in who Jesus was and, and what Jesus would do drove them literally up on the roof. Make a hole, let me, let me drop him down. And, and I'm convicted because I know that as a follower of Christ that, that we have the Spirit and we have the access to God at, at a moment's notice. And I see, I see these stories of people doing so much and working so hard just, just to touch the garment, just, just to be in the presence of Christ and, and how quickly and easily I just let that go. And so if, if you have any experience like that, if, if maybe you feel like, you know, it, it's been a minute since you've experienced that just that strong desire, that need to just be in the presence of Christ. I would encourage you as, as we sing these next two songs to really think on that, to really, to really open your eyes, to open your heart. The, the next song we're going to sing talks about the heart of God, and, and it says, come to the altar. If you're rocking and rolling with your walk, enjoy this time. And pray for some of us that need to be reminded of the significance of the relationship that we have and, and the ability to commune with the Creator. Let's stand and sing together.
Father, we come before you and acknowledge the incredible eternal reality. There is nothing better than you. The world offers us so much. The world keeps telling us that this will fulfill your life or that will make your life complete. But Father, the truth is nothing compares to King Jesus in our lives. So, Father, I pray that this morning you've been glorified and honored. I pray that in what is to follow, that you open our hearts to you, that your, your spirit will show up at every seat in the room and to all those who are watching. And today would be transformational for us. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So, as we, um, before we get started, let me say, um, I want to announce to you in two weeks, uh, we're going to have a, a day of celebration. Uh, we call it a day of worship around here where we, there's a lot of music, um, very little talking. I know, one of your favorite parts, very little talking for me. Uh, but we, uh, we, we're going to celebrate communion on that day, but also we're going to celebrate baptism. Uh, we have a group of folks who are ready to be baptized, and we want to celebrate and acknowledge the fact that God's brought us through these last 18 months. Uh, that he's been faithful. And, um, but I tell you that because you may be here or watching and you need to be baptized. And, uh, or it's something that you've been, been feeling called to do and it's something that's a part of your journey and you have a relationship with Christ and, and uh, you haven't taken that step. I just want to invite you to participate in that. And uh, if you have questions about that and what that means and what that looks like, of course, we'll talk through it um, anyway. But, but uh, if you need to be baptized, I encourage you to join us on the 28th. Uh, contact us before then. Don't just show up in a bathing suit. We need to know that you're coming. Um, but um, uh, we're going to be doing that. So if you, if you need to be baptized, please, please let us know. So we've been talking about post-pandemic life, and ironically, the pandemic is spreading again. Um, but um, let's process this, and, and history has told us that hopefully this is like the last little run with this thing if, if it's consistent with other diseases that have happened. And the question we've been answering is, as a follower of Jesus, when I get back into life post-pandemic, what do I need to be like? What does that look like? How would Jesus have me to live? And so we've talked about multiple things. We've talked about relationships with family and friends. We've talked about forgiving people. Uh, we've talked about freedom last week. We talked about the importance of being connected together. Um, and today I'm talking about something that we don't often talk about in church, um, and probably we need to talk about more, at least in the way I'm going to talk about it. But we're going to talk about fun. I know that sounds strange. 
right? But there is a, there is a purpose behind this, so hang in there with me. Um, for those of you that have been going to church all your life, you're thinking, we can't have fun in church. Yes, we can, um, but uh, I think there's a much deeper and more significant calling to fun for, for our journeys. So we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6, and uh, you need to know the background of this. Timothy was Paul's apprentice, and uh, he learned from Paul how to lead, uh, what it meant to be a, a Christian, what it meant to be a leader, and uh, the church at Ephesus was having a problem. Uh, they needed some direction. So Paul sent his young apprentice uh, to Ephesus to help straighten the church out, if you will, to get them back on the right road. And, and uh, this letter was written to Timothy to give him instruction on what to do. Some scholars believe Timothy actually took the letter with him uh, and read it to the church. Uh, don't know that, but, but probably he did read it to the church whenever he received it to confirm his authority to make the decisions he was making, uh, because Paul had all kinds of authority uh, as far as the church of Ephesus went. So in that, though, he, is, he instructs them on worship. He instructs them how to interact with each other and what it means to, to live in the world. And then we get to chapter 6, and he, he says something that's really different, maybe. So he, he, he addresses the wealthy people in the church, okay? And, uh, and so uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, here's, here's what he says to those who are well off. If you're in the, in the room or, and using the Pew Bible, we're on page 1195. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life, uh, take a hold of the life that is truly life. All right, so Paul teaches something, and, and so let me, let me say up front, um, I'm pretty confident that none of us in the room would fall into the top 1%, okay? Right? I'm, I don't know that. I, there may be somebody that's hiding a bunch of dough somewhere, but I'm pretty confident that none of us are top 1%, all right? But we do live in an, in an age, and, and really in the room, there are different levels of income and different levels of abundance and need, and, and so... Um, but I think what Paul told to the wealthy in the church of Ephesus, there's some things that are very very, very important for us uh, as we follow Christ today, right? So he started off in verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And I think the thing that we need to start with is before we get to the fun, we need to have this foundational principle that everything we have is temporary. It's not going to last. It's temporary. No matter how much you love your house, no matter how much you love your car, no matter how proud of your bank account you are, it's all temporary. And so Paul goes on and says, listen, the wealth that you have is uncertain. You're not going to take it with you. He doesn't use those terms. Those are ours. But, but the wealth that you have is uncertain. You don't know how long you're going to have it. Don't put your hope in the material possessions. It's not worth it. Because they'll eventually let you down. Don't put your hope in the stuff that is not going to last. And so he, he lays out this case, and if you keep reading, he says, instead, be generous. Instead, give away. Instead, help other people. Realize, and this is key, that everything God has given to you and has given to me, he has given to us for a reason. And if we lose that reality as we go through this journey that we have been given in, in those times that there's abundance and those times that we don't have so much, God has given us what he's given us for a reason. And it starts with his purposes. And so uh, what we have to realize is that when you go through the scripture, there is this foundational truth, Old and New Testament, that is a, a consistent reality. That everything that is belongs to God. It's all his. 
Now, some people have more of what's his, and some people have less of what's his, but everything that we have, when we look at our material possessions, it's really his. It belongs to him. That's the scriptural teaching. And the idea that we talk about in theology is stewardship, is God has given us something to take care of for a little while. And that's what a steward is. A steward is somebody who cares for other, somebody else's possessions. And so God has given us what he's given us for whatever reason with the idea that we'll take care of it and that his purposes will be the priority. And that, that's just laid out as a foundational teaching in Scripture. And so on top of that, then, is the, the follow-up that everything we have is, is temporary. We're not going to take it with us, though some have tried. You know the old story about the rich man who was about to die and told his wife, he said, Honey, I'm, I'm taking all the money with me. When they put me in the casket, I want you to put all the money in the casket with me because I'm taking it with me. And she promised that she would. And after the service at the cemetery, she wrote him a check and put it in the casket and went on. You can process that later. So we have this idea that, that what I gather now is, is for me, for now. And it's, it's this incredible reality that I have a lot of stuff. But you know, if you think about past history and recent history, it's all temporary. If the Great Recession didn't teach us that all this stuff is temporary, we weren't paying attention. And I think honestly, and this is a, a rabbit that I'll chase a different day, but I think honestly what we're seeing is God systematically destroy the idols in our lives. Stuff that we put above him. And we need to see that, and we need to step back, and we need to say, okay, everything that I have belongs to him. And I need to ask myself the question, why has he given it to me? And I try to think, how, how can I know if something that I own has become too important to me? How can I know that if something I possess has become too important to me? And so I've uh, been processing this all week. Ladine and I talked about it this morning. And, and I came to this conclusion. And tell me what you think about it. I think this is true for me. If I'm unwilling to let a friend borrow it, it's too important to me. Now, I know there's some, I mean, if you came to my house and your refrigerator was out and you wanted to borrow my refrigerator, you know, it's, well, let's find you another one, right? That kind of thing. A little, little out of, and if you wanted to buy my, borrow my golf clubs, you might have to sign some paperwork in front of a lawyer or something. But, but we do that. I'm really not good enough to not let you borrow my golf clubs. I'm kidding. Um, but I wonder if, if it's so important to me that I won't let you borrow it. Is there a problem there? Have I made it too important in my life? Because if everything I have really is temporary, if I'm really not taking it with me, if it's really not going to last in my life once this body dies, is it too important for me if I won't let you borrow it? And that may not be true for everything, and, and we talked about keepsakes from grandmothers and those sorts of things, and, and, and I think we came down to it depended on the friend that kind of thing. Um, but if I hold onto my stuff so tightly that nobody can ever use it, I'm getting really close to idolatry. And Paul tells the rich people in Ephesus, listen, don't put your hope in stuff. You may feel secure with it. You, you may feel better with it. But, but the truth is the trust needs to be in God. And so we, we have this foundational teaching that, that the stuff is just stuff and, and it is just temporary. And, and Paul makes that very clear to the people in Ephesus. And, and I think it's a lesson that we need to be reminded of because our society is telling us over and over again, this or that will bring you security, it will bring you hope, it will bring you peace. But the truth is it's all temporary. All right, so keeping that as a foundation and keeping those biblical truths as a foundation for what we're about to say, I want you to hear this. Paul says something that is very interesting in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
And I looked at that word enjoyment in the Greek, and I thought, surely that's not really what Paul meant. You know, because we as followers of Jesus, right, we're supposed to be serious all the time. We're supposed to always be sincere, and we're supposed to be uh, really focused on God and, and not enjoy life because we don't do that as followers of Jesus, right? So I looked at that word enjoyment in the Greek, and you know what it means? It means enjoyment. Amen. And Paul said, God has given you what he's given you for your enjoyment. And I was like, okay, why does that matter? Why is it such a big deal that God would give us stuff for enjoyment? So I think there's a lot of un undercurrents here that, that are true. God doesn't intend us to live life miserably. I mean, that's not, you know, it's not like God's up in heaven and I've created you, follow me, now life's going to be miserable from now on. You know, that, I think sometimes we feel that way or we live that way or we project that. But what Paul says is God has given you this stuff for your enjoyment. And so I, I look at that, and well, so what, what is the point in that? And, and when you read through the scripture and, and you read what the, the teachings of, of the Jewish beliefs are, I said one of the Ten Commandments is to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And it's based on the creation story that God worked for six days and took the seventh day off. And I, I think about that story and I think, does an all-powerful God really need a day off? Is he really so tired and so worn out? It's like, whew, I got to have a vacation now. God doesn't need a break. So what, what is that about? That is about modeling for humanity. Because we're not God. That's key in all of this. We're not God, and our bodies need a break. Remember they gave Jesus a hard time for healing on the Sabbath, and his response was, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Yes, Sabbath is a time of worship, but, but it is a time for rest. The body needs to recover. It was designed that way. And here's what I want to tell you about what's been going on the last 18 months. Our stress meters are off the chart. Our anxiety levels are beyond what they've been in decades. Our bodies need a break. So I think Paul is saying, you know, whatever you do have, God has given it to you for your enjoyment. The point is, is that God gives us stuff to rest, to rest. You know, Paul wrote in Philippians, and, and I think it's one of the most misunderstood verses in all of Scripture. In Philippians 4.13, he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And what we hear in that is, I've never climbed a mountain before, but I'm going to climb Everest. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's what we hear. We hear that God will help me to do that which I am never prepared to do. God will help me conquer that which I was never intended to conquer. That's not what the verse is about. When you read the verse in context, Paul was talking about material possessions. He was writing to the church in Philippi, and he was saying, thank you for the gift, but I don't, it's, it's not that I need the gift. I want you to receive a reward from the gift because I have learned in all circumstances, whether I have an abundance or I have very little, I have learned in all of those circumstances that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And the idea is, for Paul, is I can live and be content on whatever God gives me. If I have an abundance, that's fantastic. If I'm barely getting by, that's okay. Because there is in that passage a trust that God can. That God has the capacity to. And so when we have stuff in our lives and and there's, we need to realize that if it's in a time of abundance, we need to be grateful. If it's a time of financial despair, we need to trust in him. Now, people hear that and say, well, that means you're telling people not to work. No, don't put words in my mouth. Right? But we realize that God has given us what he's given us. And it's okay to enjoy what he's given us. 
Now, here's the problem, though. We tend to function in extremes. And the extreme is, is that I'm going to invest my life and my fortune on those things that bring me enjoyment. See, that's not what Paul's talking about. And what happens is, is we eventually, so, so just for example, let's say that I decide I want to buy a $150,000 car. And I'm going to finance it for 33 years. There's not much logic in that, right? There's not much point in that. But, but that's what we do sometimes is we mortgage everything to get this one thing that will bring us enjoyment. That's not what Paul's talking about. What Paul is saying is when you wake up in the morning and you've been blessed with stuff, thank God for it. Enjoy it. I went grocery shopping the other day, and um, I, I went to get fish. You know how I feel about fish. You know, pig, pig and cow is greater than fish and fowl for me. Um, but we do eat a lot of fish because I'm told that it's healthy. And, and so, you know, I told you I like healthy food, but I love non-healthy food. But anyway, I was sent to the store to get some fish. I got the fish and the other things on the list. Not a big basket full, but it was so bizarre. I was walking down aisle five to go check out. I began to cry. And it wasn't because I didn't have beef in the basket. But I began to cry because I, something hit me. I was like, you know, here I am buying exactly what I want. I got enough to do it. And there are people all around who, who they can't buy healthy stuff because they can't afford it. So they get cheaper stuff. It's unhealthy for them. And then all of a sudden, my mind went to the, a much broader picture, and I began to think about there are people all over this world today who are thankful for a bowl of rice. And the tears were there. They were tears of gratitude. I said, Lord, I, I, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I think we have to come to the point where we are willing to say and, and we, are, we step back and we are thankful for what we have. And it's okay to enjoy it. Now here's the thing about enjoyment. Um, Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos enjoy life differently than I do. Uh, in the next few weeks, they're going into outer space. Uh, I guess that's what billionaires do for fun. Um, I don't care how many billions I have, that's not fun for me. I, that would not be relaxing. Um, there's nothing about that. I mean, they would have to knock me out and wake me up when it was over. Uh, there's nothing good about that in, in my mind. But for them, it's something enjoyable. And, and I say that because for each of us, there are different things that make us relax. There are different things that make us rest. Some people sit down and read a book all day long, and it's a day of rest for them. Some people go to the beach, and it's a day of rest. Some people go to the golf course and believe it's going to be a day of rest. <laughs> but there are things that you are drawn to that bring rest into your life. And I think sometimes, and I know in my 20s and 30s and part of my 40s, I felt guilty about time off. I felt bad about it. I don't have time to rest. There's too much kingdom stuff to do. There are too many things that I need to conquer for the kingdom. But the truth is, when your body quits, you're no good anyway. So I, I think when Paul is saying, you know, God has given you this stuff for your enjoyment, it, it's not about being happy-go-lucky all the time. It's about you need rest. Be thankful for it when you have it. Have gratitude about it and be willing to share in times of abundance. The world has convinced us through advertising and commercials and uh, 
TikTok videos and Instagram posts that there are certain things that we need in life to be happy. And that's not true. Real happiness is joy. And joy is something that's given to us. It's something that's internal, something we can't create, something we can't buy. It's something that's given to us. So I'm going to challenge you, as I challenge myself this week, to, to look around, to see the journey, to see the things that bring you joy, to see the things that God has given you and, and say thanks for them. And don't feel guilty about resting. Because if your body's not working, you don't help the kingdom. Let rest be a regular part. Let enjoyment in the things that God has given you be okay. As long as they don't become the priority. See, I think that's where we make the mistake. The mistake comes when it's all about my enjoyment. Now see, it's all about King, King Jesus and his kingdom. And he provides for us those opportunities to rest in him. Don't be afraid to rest. Celebrate God. Be thankful for what you have. It'll make the journey much more incredible, especially as we come out of this thing because we've been so, life has been so turned upside down. The stress levels are so high. The anxiety is so real. We needed to rediscover rest. And praise God for it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you've given us. Father, forgive us for the times that we made life about stuff. Father, teach us to hold on loosely to the things of this world. Teach us to be generous to those who ask. Teach us to be thankful. Teach us to rest. And Father, I, I pray that as we are rediscovering life. That we would be honest and real about the hurts that we have from the past 18 months. Now, Father, I pray for this time. I pray that your spirit go before us. I, I pray that if there's anyone here watching that does not know you, that today you'd draw them to yourself. Today would be a, a day of transformation and salvation for them. Bless this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One of the things that Jesus taught is he said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. And Jesus used what was an illustration for the people of his time that would have made perfect sense to us about oxen. An ox, you would, you would put uh, the yoke on them and, and different kinds of owners would treat them differently. But Jesus said, come to me and follow me. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. You see, we live in a world that the yoke isn't easy, and the burden isn't light. And Jesus came and said, I'll set you free from all of that. I'll set you free from the burdens of all of that. See, the truth is that all of us have this burden of sin. Choices that we've made, decisions that we've made that separate us from God. 
and that sin separates us from him, and there's, there's nothing we can do to, to make it right. So God, looking at us, saw our state and sent Jesus to die for us. And Jesus came, died, was buried, and came back to life to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. So when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden's light, he's saying, give your life to me. And with me, you'll experience peace and joy that the world can never, ever offer. And so if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life, we want to invite you to do that. If you're watching, same thing. If you're in the room when we sing in just a minute, I invite you to walk through these doors to the Welcome Center. And let's talk about faith and what that means and what that looks like. Online, if you're watching, you can text us or email us. There are people ready to respond to you. But you don't have to go through life in misery. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Maybe you're here or online, you have questions that you want to ask about faith, about the scripture, about Jesus himself. I invite you to ask those questions. I promise you will not be judged in a negative way by the questions that you ask. We just see those as an opportunity for you to, to move closer to Jesus. So don't be afraid to ask. Maybe you're here or watching and God has put on your heart that you need to be officially a part of this community of faith. Invite you, same thing when we're done, come to the Welcome Center or online, you can text us. We'll talk to you about what that means and what that looks like. Or maybe today, God has confronted you with the reality that you need to rest. Ask him to help you figure out that process and what it looks like in your life. It's a very, very important part of the journey we've been given. So you respond today as you feel led as we stand and worship together. for joining us, Murray Hill. Go out and have a safe week. Remember to have some fun and get some rest, and we'll worship here again with you on Sunday next week.